Welcome to Emergo Radio, a place where a brain-first lifestyle matters, a place of impact and inspiration, a place where your hosts, Dave Kenny and Susan Kenny, coach you to rise above. Hi, friends, and welcome to Emergo Radio. My name is Dave Kenny. Emergo Radio is a place where we explore how a brain-first approach to health, recovery, and well-being is a proven game changer because if you change your brain, you change your life. I'm excited to have you join me today. And so now let's rise above. And on today's episode of Emergo Radio and our efforts to continually rise above, we're going to continue in the series of focusing on the value and the benefits of coaching. And as you know, earlier on, there's another episode with Dave Buck from Coachville, and Dave was rated uh, number seven by 1,000 coaches in the International Coaching Federation for Life Coaches. So he has a lot of practical and um, experience and entrepreneur experience. And today we're really going to be diving deep. We've got Professor Dr. Noah Gentner, PhD from Humber College, and it's going to be a real pleasure to hang out with uh, with Noah here today. And his background, he is a certified health and wellness coach, has a BA in psychology from Indiana University, plus a master's and PhD in sports and exercise psychology from the University of Tennessee. I wonder if he likes the burnt orange. And uh, program coordinator, wellness coaching postgraduate program at Humber College, professor at three different schools in the United States before coming to Humber in 2011, sports psychology consultant and health and wellness coach, co-owner of Sport and Wellness Consulting. Welcome, Professor Jenner. Thank you so much, Dave. It's great to be with you. And Noah, we've we've known each other now for um, a, a year and a half or so, and uh, we crossed paths because um, I was introduced to you through one of the graduates of your program who joined our our team here at Emergo Recovery, and it was great because he came to us with a such a foundation about health, wellness, and coaching. And so, tell us a little bit about the program you've created at Humber. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dave. So we are in the second year of our postgraduate certificate program in wellness coaching. It is a one-year program. And really the goal of the program is to train students to become health and wellness coaches or to give them the skills and the knowledge that they can start to use coaching in their current profession. So we get Some students who uh, health and wellness coaching is the thing that they want to do, and they come here to learn those skills so they can go out and either start their own business or come and work at a place like Emergo with you. Uh, And then we also get some people who currently work in the allied health field, so maybe in social work or in nursing, or they might be a physio. And what they really want to do is broaden their horizons and expand their skills, and they want to bring coaching into that current profession. And we really believe that coaching is a skill for everyone, uh, that we can use it not only in our professional lives, but in our personal lives as well. And it's a great way to help professionals better serve their patients or clients in whatever setting that they're in. So Noah, you've introduced some big terms here. And if you would, I'd like you just to define or, or expand on what do you mean by health and wellness? Let's start there. That's a great question. Uh, Health and wellness to me is very much based on the individual. It's really about what makes each individual person thrive. 
you know, we've spent so many years with these kind of narrow definitions of health and wellness related to exercise and diet, for example. And certainly those are important aspects of our health. But we really think now about health and wellness quite holistically and that it really involves not only our physical health, but our mental and emotional health, our spiritual health, um, our work-life balance, our relationships. And so particularly as it relates to coaching, one of the things that we really believe is it's about finding out what is important for each person and what makes each person thrive or rise above. And the more that we can learn about each individual person, the more we can help them accomplish their goals. We've, we've spent a lot of time in recent years kind of telling people what to do and believing that there's one or maybe two or three right ways. And if we can just get everybody to do those, everybody will be happy and healthy. And what we're really learning now is that health is very, again, broad and holistic. And it's about finding out for each individual person what is important to them, what makes them thrive, and how can we help them reach those goals? I love the word thrive, and it is an individual thing, and it has to be. So it's a great approach that you're taking. But the other big term that you introduced was coaching. Now, we've all heard about coaching. It seems to be a buzzword, and it's thrown around everywhere. But how would you define what is coaching? To me, coaching is really about relationships. It's really about a mutual relationship or partnership between a coach and a client where the ultimate goal is getting that client where they want to be. And again, it's not about directing. We've had that idea in the past that, you know, and, and we, we think again, in terms of I'm a, I'm a big sports fan and we think in terms, sometimes we hear the word coach and we think about sports and what do coaches do? Well, they tell athletes what to do and they call plays and the athletes are supposed to follow those. And if they don't, they get yelled at and et cetera, et cetera. And what we really think about for coaching from our standpoint is we're really a, a support system for that person. And it's a real mutual partnership where, in fact, we think the client's kind of, quote, driving the bus. And it's really about them and what they want. And we're there to support them, help them gain insights about themselves that maybe they hadn't quite thought about before. Um, but again, it's not about being directive. It's not a prescriptive way of dealing with people. It's really a partnership where uh, both people are invested in helping that client get where they want to go. Yeah, I've, I've learned that through the certific the ICF certification that I went through, and uh, certainly from the uh, nearly a decade now of coaching practice. But coaching really is a belief that the that the individual has the answer within, and you know whether that's weight loss or fitness or or um, relationship career stuff, financial stuff, but there are some roadblocks and a, and a great coach, I think works with that individual to help them overcome that as, and to, to realize again, thrive of what they want. So that leads me to then say from your studies, what makes a great coach? That's a great question. I just wanted to comment. I, I really love the point that you just made about what coaching is. And of course, you have such great experience uh, over many years of coaching. And so you're a great model for what that really looks like. And I love what you had said about it's about understanding and believing that the client has the answers within them and that that is a really important 
concept for all of us to understand as coaches is that we enter into these coaching partnerships or relationships with a client with a belief that people are good, that people want what is best for them, that people want to do good things for themselves, and that they do have the answers within. And one of the analogies that I will often give to our students is sometimes we have clients who feel like they just keep bumping up against a wall and everything they try, it just feels like they're bumping up against a wall. And one of the things that we can do as coaches is maybe help them take two steps backward. And then they realize that that wall is only about five to 10 feet wide. And now that they can see that, they're able to find a new way around that wall. And so um, they had it within them, but we might be a little push to help them identify those things. But to get to your question about what it takes to be a great coach, um, I really think that there, there are several skills and, and we cover some of these in our program and some of our courses. Um, and we refer to some of these as being skills. And so these would be things that are just about kind of your personality and your way of being with clients. And it's really important for us to show clients our confidence and belief in them. Um, one of the things that we will often say is my certainty is greater than your doubt. Showing them in that relationship that we believe that good things are going to come from this. Uh, I think it's also important to tap into your own personality. So again, as, as we've gotten to know each other, I know that you have a really great sense of humor. And I think it's great for coaches to show that when appropriate and really kind of be themselves. Because as I mentioned before, it really is ultimately about building a relationship. And you can't build a relationship unless you're authentic and true to who you are. So there's some of those being skills that are really important, maybe having a bit of playfulness. Uh, we don't have to be serious all of the time. And then the other set of skills that we talk about are doing skills. And so those are some of the things that we want to do. And the way that we really spend most of our time talking about is listening and really having good active listening skills and really just being there, focusing on the client. We want to be empathetic listeners and really understand what the client is going through and what their experience is. We also want to have really positive reflection. So we work with students a lot on reflecting on what the client has just said and really um, trying to see not only what was said, but what wasn't said. So what emotions were underneath those words and could you sense the change in their tone of voice or a change in their energy when they talked about certain things. Uh, and then the last one we talk a lot about is asking really good questions. Um, sometimes our job is really just to ask questions to get people thinking. One of the things that we talk about is insights lead to action. So if I can ask really good questions and use really good reflections, my client might gain some insights about themselves that they hadn't considered. And those insights will often lead to some action. Okay. It's like you and I could be uh in the same room at the same time teaching the same course because I've, I've used the my certainty is greater than your doubt in in working with people in recovery coaching for years and people who have failed over and over and and who have been shamed um and and put in or feel just the place of shame and guilt don't have a belief and when a coach brings that sense of belief i believe in you and when you really carry that for people and they can lean on you or at least lean on me and that my certainty in your ability to create positive outcomes in your life is far greater than your doubt. It's been a really, it's, it's a neat place to, to forge a coaching relationship from. Absolutely. And, and you can see that change in that person when 
they see you as this respected person. And oftentimes clients will look at their coaches and say, oh, that coach must have it all together. And have that coach show them that they believe in them and that they believe that good things are going to happen. You can see that that positive shift. And it's really important as we work with anyone, whether it's with recovery, as you spend a lot of your time uh, doing or in health and wellness with regards to exercise or diet, it's all just running an experiment on our own lives. So I, I say to our students all the time that there's no failure when we're just running an experiment. All we're doing is we're testing something and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, well, we've gained information from that and we try something different. People get so caught up in the outcomes of things. And if I try something and it doesn't work right away, then that means I'm a failure and it's never going to work. No, it just means that that's one thing that we can cross off the list or learn from and then we can try something new. So we try to take the pressure off of what people are doing by first instilling some confidence in them, but then also really trying to get them to understand that it's just one big experiment we're running on ourselves. And when we look at it that way, there really is no failure. And a great coach mirrors things back. And my analogy to that is uh, you'll look at a, a world-class dancer when they train, they're still, you know, decades into it. They're still using a mirror for feedback. Is their leg and ankle and toe, is everything aligned just the way they want it? Well, we often in life can't see that and can't mirror ourselves. And a great coach brings that. Um, and I, and we also teach the same, the same concept, which is, when you when you leave and you start to introduce different foods into your system or your sleep pattern changes or your relation you you, know, you hang out with some people that you're you're not sure if you want to continue to hang out with take observe how do you feel during that process an hour later uh, did it disrupt your sleep make an observation about that and then make an evaluation about what fits for you so it, it's not about a judgmental right and wrong it's just about a continual learning process and observation yeah, and what you're talking about there, which is such a great point, is is it's opening our eyes and increasing our awareness. We spend a lot of our lives just going through the motions and floating along. And I talk to students not just in our wellness coaching program, but I teach in our fitness program here in our kinesiology degree program. And I see students who are under stress and have difficult things going on, and they could certainly benefit from some coaching. And I say to them that we we very often just ride the wave of our lives. And when things are going well, then we're happy and things are great. And when things aren't going well, we just assume, well, it's not good. And this is always the way it's going to be. And sometimes it's about, as you said, opening our eyes and looking in that mirror as we would if we're a dancer to get that feedback and see what really is going on. And so that's one of the great benefits of coaching is it really encourages people to slow down, be mindful, practice some self-awareness and really identify where am I at right now and maybe what's causing that. And then, as you said, when I try something, let's let's check in and see. So I'm, I'm trying a new habit. Well, let's see how this makes me feel. And is it good? Or if it's not, that's fine too. And how can we work from there? So I really like that analogy of the mirror because that's really what we're encouraging people to do. We don't look in the mirror enough, so to speak. So Dr. Gentner, as smart as you and I are, it's a pool of 10, right? Or two people right now. My question to you is there may be some people going, um, you know, okay, this sounds great, but come on. And so from the field of in the world of academia, are there studies, legitimate studies that show the efficacy or the effectiveness 
of coaching and helping people make life changes? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the most exciting things in our field of health and wellness coaching, because we are relatively new, is that there is increasing research showing really positive health benefits to coaching. So there have been studies, uh, many studies done within the medical uh, arena that have shown um, changes in weight, changes in blood pressure, um, have really positive uh, impacts on people suffering from diabetes. Um, there's some very interesting research being done in the UK right now with uh, pregnant women who are at risk of diabetes. Uh, and all of these are showing some really positive benefits of coaching. And in many cases, it's showing more positive benefits than other treatments. Uh, we also see this in, within mental health that we are starting to see coaching as a really viable option for people that might be suffering from some mental health problems. And so, of course, as a, as a relatively young field, there's still quite a bit of work to be done, um, but there is a lot of evidence out there suggesting that coaching can be extremely beneficial. And one of the things that really gives me a great feeling is that programs like ours and others are able to base their education and what they're teaching students on evidence-based research. So the things that we're teaching students to do aren't just things that, hey, we think this sounds good, so we should tell them. It's really all evidence-based. And so that really makes me feel good that what we're, what we're equipping students to go out there and do is stuff that we know works. So then what's the difference between if I have a problem or a challenge, whether it's anxiety, depression, weight loss, or too much weight, uh, what's the difference between talk therapy and coaching? That's a great question. Uh, so what I would say is that there are quite a bit of therapists who are using coaching skills it really depends on the person that you are with. And as we know, most of the research on therapy suggests that the style of therapy is not nearly as important as the fit between client and therapist. And so many people might be finding some success with some therapists who are using some coaching skills. Um, really, the, when we think about coaching versus talk therapy, there's not much of a difference when we consider what we're asking people to do is spend some time increasing their self-awareness, as you had mentioned, looking in the mirror and really trying to gain some insights into their lives. What we're trying to do with coaching now is just increase the awareness of the general concepts of coaching. And again, to go back to what you had said before, is really understanding and believing that the client does have the answers and the other big part of coaching that is often missed is really trying to support autonomy. Um, and so, again, going back to when we talk about differences in styles of therapy, it really comes down to the individual therapist and what we believe as coaches or if a person is going to go seek out a coach, that we hope that a coach with good training is going to work from those assumptions that you do have the answers with inside you and that the coach's job is to support autonomy and help you identify things that you want to do. Because when we talk about behavior change, for example, behavior change isn't a fad diet. Behavior change is not just going on an exercise program for a couple of weeks to lose some weight or in your world with rehab, behavior change is not just being able to 
quit a certain substance for a couple of weeks. Behavior change is lifelong. And what we're trying to help people do is make changes that will last forever. So it really is about them finding things that they believe they can do and that they want to do as opposed to being told what to do. And that's where we differ from most places is that they talk about the problem a lot, you know, the addiction. And a lot of 12, 12-step programs are focused on the addiction. And we we come from a very different place. If if you want something different, let's explore that and coach about that. Let's not let's not coach about the problem. It's there. We may be may be able to identify with that. That's fine. But recovery coaching moving forward is is a lifestyle. This behavioral change. We focus on a brain first approach. So neurologically, what can I do to to enhance my brain and and reduce cravings and and uh, uh, make better decisions, less impulse control problems, but it is about lifestyle coaching. The other, yeah, the other and, I, and I love what you said there about um, really trying to find a new way of doing things and that behavior change and not focusing solely on the problem. You make a really good point that we have traditionally within the general umbrella term of psychology, we have traditionally focused on problems. And with the recent increase in people being interested in positive psychology and coaching, what we're really finding is we can get really beneficial outcomes from focusing on what's working or where people want to go rather than on solely focusing on the problem and those obstacles and those barriers. So you make a really good point that it really is about let's focus on where you want to be and how we can get you there. And one of the things that you do so well is it's, again, about getting people to develop new habits and new behaviors that they can use for the rest of their lives. It's not a short-term fix. These behavior changes, again, are forever and ever. And sometimes when we take a step back and think about, well, what is working for me? Or maybe what's worked in the past that we use the term appreciative inquiry, that can really be powerful for people who have spent so much of their lives focused on what's not working or focusing on the problem that again, taking that step back from that wall, they keep running into what they do is start to realize like there are some things that, that do work for me, or there's things that have worked in the past and let's try to focus on those. It's interesting because some people who have had a lot of challenges in their life struggle with this different approach because everywhere they've gone, it's been, I want to talk about my anxiety. I want to talk about my eating disorder. And a story comes to mind of a, um, a woman about 30 years of age, 96 pounds, and had struggled um, with this and was near death a few times um, in her life because of an eating disorder issue. Um, and had spent uh, over a year in a hospital where they counted every calorie and watched every spoonful and really talked about her eating disorder. When she came to us after the first week, she had a phone call with her family and she talked about her sleep had improved her. She's eating three small meals and she's also sipping on bone broth and she, and voluntarily eating the meals without being monitored and washed. And we were eating real whole living foods. Um, her exercise, she had better movement and exercise. She was able to, when she first got to us, only walk the driveway. Now she was able to walk around the yard and walk around the pond and she was able to sleep at night and also had great energy all day long. And she was cooking food with the chef and helping to prepare the odd meal, shared this with the family. 
and the family's blown away. She, they've never heard this. So we're focusing on the solution. And number one is b- building her reserves and getting her to touch food and appreciate food. Because when you do that, more you're going to be more apt to actually want to enjoy the food. And then she went a little, she had a difficulty the next day. Um, got a little angry saying, no one's talking about my eating disorder. And so it took a lot of patience and a lot of questions and a lot, and, and um, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about empathetic listening, compassionate listening, and just letting her feel that she's heard and then be able to revisit all of the wins and help her kind of refocus on moving forward. And, and so that was a, that was a powerful experience for me in helping someone focus on the, what they want versus what they don't want. Right. And that's, and it's such a great story because it highlights so many of the things that we've already discussed and some of those skills within coaching that, again, you're talking about really trying to help people identify what it is that they do want. Um, Some people use the term solution-focused counseling. What do I really want and how can I get myself there? You you mentioned the empathetic listening and what that shows, and that's a great example of is again, building that connection between people. And so when we go back to when I talked about coaching is really about a relationship, that's how we build a relationship is being there for that person. And as you mentioned, not only do people spend so much time talking about their problems, they also spend a lot of time being told what to do. So a person in in, in this woman's case, not she spent all of her time talking about her eating disorder, but she's also just been told over and over and over again, here is what you have to do. And what you are able to do is take a step back and talk a little bit about what she wants as opposed to the problem, but then also build that connection. And as you said, for some people who have spent most of their lives focusing on the problem, it, it's a it's it's a change for them. And you can even see that in their body language when you talk with them. Because they almost, in some cases, are expecting a fight because that's what they've lived is you're going to tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you why I don't want to do that. And we're going to be right back to square one. When they come into contact with someone like you or a great coach or the great people that you have at Emergo, they realize that, wait, this person's actually on my side and all they want to do is help me. And they're not going to tell me what to do. They're going to help me identify what's best for me. And one of the other things that you do so well there is uh, when we get some resistance, and we talk about this, another one of the main theories we use in coaching is motivational interviewing. And when you get some resistance, uh, we want to roll with it. And I have, we have a great instructor here who uses this phrase that I'll steal from a good old uh, 90s song from Vanilla Ice. When we get that resistance, we want to stop, collaborate, and listen. And when we get that resistance, if we can just slow down and try to use our empathetic listening and understand where they're coming from, we might just say that, okay, I'm not going to talk to her about eating. What we're going to do is focus on some other things. And once they get those things in order, then she might be ready to deal with this other issue. And that's one of the things that you do so well, and it's a great concept in coaching, is let's not keep pushing someone to do the same thing that they're resisting. Let's take a step back. And maybe there's something else that they actually are interested in working on. And that way we build a partnership as opposed to this adversarial relationship. Tell me the benefits of proactive coaching 
versus crisis coaching because we can have clients and families and and they sit, they spread their wings they set sail and they do some aftercare coaching for 30 days with us and then they they say I got this I'm good and they and they have made significant change in their life and then 30 more days later I get a text or a call and there's a crisis so talk to me about and and then now they want help and I keep saying that continuing your coaching is to avoid that crisis uh, versus crisis coaching. Can you speak to that? Yeah, you bring up a really good point that a lot of people fall into this trap that they come into coaching because they have a crisis or a problem. And they make this assumption that, well, once this problem has been taken care of, then I'm in good shape and I won't need to have that coach anymore until another crisis develops. And one of the things that I say to people a lot is we don't have to be sick to get better. And coaching is a way that we can make our lives better. It's not just crisis intervention. Coaching is something that I truly believe we all can benefit from. Not only the skills that we can then bring to our personal and professional lives, but just as individuals, having that person to talk to And it really is a great support system. And one of the things that I'm sure you see in your work is that oftentimes people can be very lucky that they have a strong support system in their lives and that they have one or maybe two even individuals in their lives that kind of serve as a coach, even though it's informally. For some people, it's a parent or a partner or a really good friend. And so they don't realize that they're getting daily and weekly coaching. It's just because it's coming from that person. But not everybody has that. And to be honest, it's not always fair to those people in our lives to ask them to serve in that role as our coach and that person that we go to when we constantly have problems or things aren't going well. So that's why, as you mentioned, it's really important for people to understand that coaching is and should be something that they can continue to use uh, and it's a way to manage. So yes, you might have a crisis. And once we've gotten through that, coaching is a great way to manage things. The analogy would be with exercise. If I exercise to either lose some weight or get into shape, I still have to continue to exercise to maintain that. And so we would look at coaching in that same way. It's not just crisis management. Uh, It really can and should be used as something to help us rise above and reach our potential every single day. It's a great answer. The the challenge we run into actually, uh, Noah, is that a lot of times families, because, because the people we work with have been really struggling in life, and so families have assumed this role as a rescuer or someone in the family is oftentimes a mother, sometimes a spouse, but has, has assumed this role as a rescuer, and they think they're coaching. And they often say, well, if they would just do what I say, every, their life would be so much better. And they don't do what I tell them to do. And, and if you find that you're telling someone, you've mentioned this earlier in our podcast today, if you find that you're telling, that's not coaching. And so we talk, we do a lot of family coaching. And sometimes it's the most challenging coaching we have is because families say, no, it's Billy's fault. It's Sally's fault. They have to change, not me. And, and, and they're and sometimes it takes a couple of weeks to get them to really look at their role and, and how, how they're impacting in, uh, the individual. And, and when I'm rescuing, especially a young adult, um, but when I'm rescuing them, I'm also saying to them uh, without speaking 
that you're not capable and you can't do it. And it's the absolute opposite of, of creating independence because you're creating more dependency. And, and that must be looked at by families as to just what role. Let's start with a clean slate. What role have you fit into? Let's examine that. Now, what do you want? And so the family coaching um, sometimes really means that there needs to be a shift within the family dynamic. Yeah, that's a great point because we can we can squash that autonomy that we so desperately want the person to have and that they so desperately want to have as well. Sometimes we squash that and it comes from a very good place. It comes from a place of care and concern and love that I'm going to fix this for you. But as you mentioned, the message, the underlying message that we're sending to that person is because I don't think you can do it yourself. So I have to do it. So it's a way that we really want to, as you said, talk to families and support systems to nurture autonomy as opposed to squashing it. Um, and the other thing that, as you mentioned, that's really important for people who are dealing with a situation, a family member, a loved one who might be struggling is um, sometimes the best thing that you can do is just be mom or dad or husband or wife or brother or sister you don't have to be that and coach and therapist. Uh, there are people out there who are trained to do those things. And we find for a lot of people, when they're able to say, I'm not going to be this person's coach or therapist, I'm just going to be mom, that it takes a lot of pressure off. And they're able to just look at this as their child who is struggling and needs some help and support. And let's find some professionals like you and others who can come in and serve that role. We, we all need several different people in our lives to help support us. We, all, we can't just have one person who's everything. So sometimes it's valuable to just be mom and let other people take care of those other things. So today we've been hanging out with Dr. Noah Gentner, Professor of Wellness Coaching, a postgraduate program at Humber College. Uh, as you can tell, Noah knows his stuff. And if you're ever interested in, um, if anybody's interested in exploring this, maybe uh, to learn more themselves as a career, academics, how can they get a hold of you, Noah? Yeah, that's great. I'd do a quick little plug of our program. The best way is you can get us online. Uh, the website is humber.ca, and then you can search for our wellness coaching program. My contact information is on there, so you can email or call me directly, and I'm always happy to chat with students. We also do this as great timing. We do have a, an open house here at Humber College coming up on November 16th on a Saturday from 10 to 2. Uh, so if you're interested in any of our great Humber programs, it's a great chance to come here and learn about those uh, and see our facilities. I will also be here that day uh, for any students who are interested specifically in the wellness coaching program. Uh, and again, it's a one-year postgraduate, anyone with a degree or diploma in a related field, and we look at related as pretty broad, um, is eligible for the program. My The thing I look for most is someone who's passionate about what we're doing, is passionate about helping others and passionate about health and wellness. And in our program, we offer a couple of really interesting and valuable things. So we do provide mental health first aid training as part of the program. We provide well coaches core training. Well coaches is one of the largest training organizations in the world for health and wellness coaching. And we've been lucky enough to partner with them to provide their core training, which then sets students up to get several different certifications. 
We have uh, an internship as part of the program where students can go and do a placement at a place like Emergo, where we had a student there last year who had mentioned who absolutely loved his time there. And we have several other partners in the GTA where students go and do their work placement. And we also now do have a pathway to a master's program in health and wellness coaching uh, at Creighton University in Nebraska in the States. So after finishing the one year postgraduate certificate here, students can then enter into the online master's program there and complete their master's degree in one year. So that's another exciting new thing that we have as part of the program. Dr. Gentner, rocking it in wellness coaching at Humber College. Uh, I love it. No, I, I didn't know about the uh, master's uh, uh, thing you've got set up, so that's pretty cool too. Um, and we always wrap up our show here at Emergo Radio because we want to rise above. So it's about a commitment you and I are going to make individually to ourselves about rising above. So Noah, what is it today you're going to make a commitment to to rise above in your life? What I'm going to do today to rise above is fairly shortly, I'm going to the gym to exercise because that is not only for my physical health, but my mental health, something that is very important to me and something that I try to do on a daily basis. Outstanding. Okay. And for me to rise above today, I've talked about this in a podcast before, but I've got a vitamin IV. I actually call it, I put it in my daytime or call it happy hour. This is my happy hour. And uh, I'm going to be over with our naturopathic doctor, Dr. McEachran. And that's part of the orthomolecular restoration that we offer here at Amuru. And I do that myself. And uh, you think cold and flu season is coming. You, ha- you take these on a regular basis every couple of months and and you don't have to worry about that silly stuff hit knocking you down. So um, today, that's my effort to continue to rise above my own mental health is physical health is with a vitamin IV. So this is Dave Kenny with Emergo Recovery. And again, Noah, you can reach him at humber.ca, Noah Gentner. And uh, Noah, it's been a great pleasure and honor to be able to visit with you. And uh, folks, if you want to reach out to us, that's Emergo Recovery, E-M-E-R-G-O, recovery.com. Again, thanks for hanging out. In gratitude, we thank you for joining us on Emergo Radio, a place where you rise above with your hosts, Dave Kenny and Susan Kenny. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>